Another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And then Billy's gonna miss out, which is actually a shame because he's a he's a big racing fan, at least a, a kart racing fan, and this is gonna be something that's probably right up his alley, but we'll never know because he's not here. We're gonna be talking about Motor Tune Grand Prix for the PlayStation. Uh, but before we get to that, did you watch the recent Nintendo Direct? I did. I did. It was uh, it was interesting. I think uh, it's either you're excited or you're not excited. So uh, if you if you really like JRPGs and Mario Kart, you're excited. Uh, otherwise, I don't think there was really too much on there to, to get you going. Uh, yes, actually, I'm glad you brought up the Mario Kart thing. You know, our last bonus show was on Yoshi Story, which is on the N64 um, library that you get when you pay for the Switch expansion pack. And you know, much like when you signed up for the expansion pack, you also got that first um, Animal Crossing expansion that was a $25 purchase anyway on its own, right? So now they're going to do this Mario Kart expansion full for Mario Kart 8 DX that's like, what, an extra 36 40, tracks or something, something crazy? 48 tracks. Yeah, that's amazing. That That's like a whole other game. And I, I know it's going to be older tracks and tracks from, I guess, the mobile app that has its own tracks that, you know, wouldn't have been on previous games. But still, that doesn't matter. The fact is it's going to be released, what, four at a time, like they did with the other ones, or eight at a time, over the next, like, year. And it's a total yeah. of $25, or if you have that expansion pack, you get that for free. I think on its own, that now makes the expansion pack a little bit nicer for folks. Yeah, there. I mean, just the amount of tracks alone is baffling. There's just so many, and if you want to really get into some, uh, you know, controversy or... or Thinking like, what the hell's Nintendo even doing? Releasing DLC for a game that that's what nearly like five or six years old at this point. Yeah, on its second system. Had... <laughs> yeah, like it's it, it, nothing has been said or done about Mario Kart Eight in forever, and then suddenly here's twice as many tracks for it over the course of a year. So it's like, were they making, you know, more? Was were they making another Mario Kart? Was, was this something they were doing and then realized? Oh wait, we we're not gonna get this out on the Switch, so we got to throw something on the Switch. You know, we're we're done with the Smash Brothers characters that we can throw out every few months. What can we do? And so I is this what became of that? It's the strangest thing. Like I know it's Nintendo, and Nintendo will always do the last thing anyone ever thinks about. But having this many tracks for a five to six year old game that hasn't had anything in five years is just it's the craziest thing. 
it's like you said, they haven't mentioned anything about it. And there's not for if you bought the DX version for the Switch, there was no DLC, right? It was just as it was. And it's been like that since because you got the DLC that was on the Wii U version and they just threw it on the DX version. So it's like they didn't even mention there would be DLC and bam, here's a whole bunch of tracks. So that the tracks were really good. Everyone's very excited to see that Earthbound is finally on the uh, the Super Nintendo library. They finally added stuff to that. Uh, just Earthbound, which should have been there the whole time, but whatever. No no mention of Mother Three. However, another amazing release was coming out, a re-release. I mean, I hope you're talking about Klonoa because that, that was the one thing that that almost made me stand up out of my chair because I out of nowhere, like this was just uh, another one of those things. It's like I did not expect to see this at all. Uh, a full remake of the first game, and was it the, they're doing the second game as well? Yeah, it's both the first and second game. Uh, the second one was on PlayStation 2. They probably don't have to do too much to remaster it, but still, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the first one is an all-time classic. The second one is, it's it's good, but it's not as great as that first one. But, yeah, like, to to see that get remade is is just awesome. Like, I absolutely love the Klonoa games. Again, it's something that no one has said anything about for probably a decade or more besides the one episode we did on it uh, and then to see this just here an- another remake of it it looks good looks like it's going to be a, a a fun a fun little remake of Klonoa so yeah I was I was pretty excited about that other than that uh, I mean we were getting a Chrono Cross remaster that uh, looks not great uh, <laughs> it, it just looks like the the cheapest remake you could possibly do of, of a PS1 game. I think they're adding, making the models a little bit nicer, but just, ah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of Chrono Crossed out, even though I haven't played Chrono Cross in 20 years now, I think. It's just, I was never that big of a fan of it besides the soundtrack, and uh, I don't know if you were you ever played it or not, but it was, you know, as far as a sequel to, to Chrono Cross or a sort of sequel, uh, it just, it never, it was a very confusing game. One of the most confusing JRPGs I have ever played next to the original Xenogears. Yeah, I remember it not getting a lot of, of good praise when it came out. So I was surprised to see that that get a re-release. Um, yeah, there were the rest of the Direct, there was a lot of stuff that we'd seen before, uh, even you know mentions of. There wasn't a whole lot of things I was blindsided by necessarily. Um, it, it wasn't Getting terrible. Front though. Mission remakes. Yeah, Front Mission remake. There was some other... Uh, they, you know, they finally... They'd mentioned before, it's like a... a Something that was coming out was very exciting, and then they just kind of put it at the very end. The mention of Getsu Fumiden was releasing the day of the direct, which is, it looks really nice. But I admittedly did not pick it up yet. It looks very, very difficult. Uh, Konami kind of classic action platform game. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying out. But but generally, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't a bad direct, but it wasn't a great direct. I, I think those Mario Kart tracks kind of blew everything else away because now you've got Mario Kart with like a hundred tracks on it, which is incredible. Uh, that's an amazing amount of tracks for a racing game. I, it's you know it says something when probably the most shocking thing out of it besides Klonoa was learning that you actually pronounce live alive as live alive for the longest time I always thought it was live alive. Well, I, why why would it be either or? I think they're both kind of uh, gibberish names, but it looks it, like it that's is, interesting. But I always saw that in magazines back then, and they said the name of it, and it just it broke my brain whenever they said that. I was like, oh my god, that's what you that's how you say that. Um, but it's cool. That's actually getting a re-release. That's a that's a full-on remake, remake, I guess, of it. So um, that that looks interesting. I'm interested to see that one get over here because I always kind of wanted to play that. That whole idea of playing different characters in different eras, uh, it, it seems fun. Well, so if you enjoyed our Nintendo Direct talk, or didn't, I guess, uh, if you like to to 
watch these announcements, the, the Sony and Xbox announcements as well, Microsoft announcements. We always talk about them on our Discord. You can always join our Discord. It's in the comments to the show. But now we're going to go from talking about a Discord that had a Mario Kart with 100 tracks to a racing game that has far, far fewer Motor 2 Grand Prix for the Sony PlayStation. Just, just a few. <laughs> just a few less. Uh, this is a game I had owned when it was new. I was very excited for it because there wasn't a good kart racer on the PlayStation at this time. There really weren't a lot of good kart racers other than Mario Kart, in my opinion. And I'm sure if Billy was here, he would back that up. But I was excited to see there was like a Sony, you know, it was by Sony. It looked like they had some new characters. It wasn't just taking Garfield and putting him on a kart, which is probably a good kart racer too. Uh, I've not actually played Garfield kart, but sure. But Motor Tune, I was like, I I'm going to give this a shot and check it out. And... I have some opinions on, but did you ever play it before this podcast? Yeah, I, I rented it back in the day. It was, uh, I, I remember having fun with it back in the day, and it, it's it's an interesting game, I'll say that much. And trying to play it these days, it certainly did not hold up as well as something like Mario Kart 64 did. We'll get into that, but I still think it's a pretty, inter pretty interesting game, uh, especially since I believe this was the first game from... Uh, Polyphony Digital, isn't it? Like yes, it is. This is what they that... did right before they started Gran Turismo. Yes, this is the first game. Actually, let's go back a step. This is the second Motortune game. The original Motortune Grand Prix came out in 1994, only released in Japan for the Sony PlayStation. It was the first game by uh, which a company that would become Polyphony Digital. It was just Polly's Entertainment. And at that time, this was their first game, was the original Motortune Grand Prix. It's, a, it's fine. It's a lot like this, but... They didn't bring it to the to anywhere other than Japan. So two years later, in 1996, Motor 2 Grand Prix in the U.S. shows up, but it's actually a you know the Motor 2 Grand Prix 2 in Japan. It's also Motor 2 Grand Prix 2 in Europe, despite that they never got Motor 2 Grand Prix 1. Uh, that said, you don't need to have played it. It's like if you played Mario Kart 64 and didn't play Super Mario Kart, you're not missing out on the understanding of how to play a game. It's a it's a racing game with kart elements and weapons and stuff. So you didn't need that. However, it did make more sense that a lot of the tracks are named like Toon Island 2, but you don't actually see Toon Island because all those tracks were in the original game. Um, yeah, Polly's Entertainment, after this game was released, uh, put out Gran Turismo, which is what they're known the most for, and then became Polyphony Digital since, and, and all they've really done is, is a lot of Gran Turismo. They've done a few other things, but they're really known for, for Gran Turismo. And there's something in this game that you can see like, oh, they were already working on how to make a, a realistic racer, despite that this is not by any means a realistic racer. This is a cartoon style racing game. I wouldn't say it's a kart racer necessarily because none of your cars are, are carts. They're full cars. And I think it plays a little more like a traditional racing game, but it also has those, you know, items you pick up and you use to, to launch at your enemies or, or change the track somehow. And it, it's a lot like a wipeout. You know, I'd say wipeout's the same kind of racing game, but more than a than a kart style racer i it's like those games just kind of get lumped in as kart racers these days i know obviously wipeout is more of a racing game but still just about any game where you've got vehicles that can pick up weapons and then fire them at the other uh, vehicles then it's kind of just become a, a kart racer and 
I'm not a fan of that myself. Not too long ago, I did hear someone refer to Wipeout as a kart racer, which offended me at the highest <laughs> level. But, you know, that's just... Uh, this one, I, I could definitely see it being more of a kart racer because it is kind of cartoony. It's much more in, in this kind of vein of what a, a kart racer is. You know, it's your, your characters, your carts, your, you've got these selections. It's basically Mario Kart. Uh, but given this kind of cartoon overlay that it, it's trying to do, sometimes more successful than others. Well, it's it's almost like how it it doesn't look like Cuphead. Don't don't take what I'm about to say. It looks like Cuphead. But you know, like in Cuphead, everything has like those kind of classic animations where things kind of bop back and forth and move around. This has some of that. Like some of the cars have that boppy kind of animation to them where like when you're turning your car it actually makes the car look like it's bending weird to turn it's not like it's it's a box that moves it actually bends a little bit when you turn the wheel like it it, it has a cartoony feel uh, that, that makes it uh, look a little more like they were trying to make it a cartoon racer hence the name motor tune obviously but it, it's still you know you said someone called wipe out a cart racer i would never call wipe out a cart racer it's a cart it, it it's but i i see why people would say it i guess this on the other hand i think if you said this was a cart racer no one's going to get offended cuz it really does it's cartoony it's bright it does have a lot of items wipeout has some items but it's it's different like this has really goofy cartoony items just like mario kart does um so i think this does fit more of the cart racer even though i think the tracks are longer and more like race car tracks you know racing game tracks than early Mario Karts. I think by the time you get to the current Mario Karts, sure, they have amazing tracks that look very much like this. They're long. Some of them are, you know, tracks that go the entire way long and they have three different checkpoints as opposed to doing three laps. This, on the other hand, is is much more like longer, longer race tracks that remind me of the, the, the mid-level Mario Kart tracks. These are not good tracks. Yeah. They're, uh, they are... Okay, Polyphony fucked up on this. The tracks themselves are very long. They're all like Need for Speed 3 level long sometimes. Like it can take a a good deal of time to get around the tracks. And they've only got five of them. Yes. That, and, that's the biggest glaring issue in this game. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a problem. We'll get to it. But the fact that these levels are so long, they they should have looked at Mario Kart and been like, okay, this is what we need. We need to cut these tracks in half. Even if it was just, you know, the, the name of the track one and name of the track two. If there, you had two versions of that with, with a couple of different layouts or something like that, that would have made this game so much better paced. As it is, these tracks just, for a kart racer, they just go on and on and on. And I was kind of shocked the first time I played this, even replaying it now for this. It's like, oh my goodness, these just... For a kart racer, like these are more like an actual like racing game track, and I guess that kind of explains what you know Polyphony would go on to do. But for this kind of game, it does not work at all. Well, I think the other problem with the tracks is, like you said, there's only five, and it's not five where you can pick the one you want. You have to play five tracks in the same order every time. You go through Toon Village, which is the starting track, to Toon Island Two to the Crazy Coaster, which is probably the most interesting track in the game, uh, just because it has, because it's called Crazy Coaster, there's, you know, it's like you're flying through space and parts. It's like Rainbow Road almost, but not quite as bad uh, as far as falling off the track. Uh, Gulliver House 2, which I guess is a reference to Gulliver House from the first game, uh, which everything, it's like you're driving around as a, as if you were like a matchbox car in a real size house full of stuff. And then the Haunted House is the last level of the game, and that's it. There are five tracks that you get to play through, and then 
Once you go through all of them, you get your your points based on where you place, just like you do in any other kart race. And then as long as you win, you know, you come in first place, you can come in you know, first, second, first, third, first. And as long as you have the most, you know, the least points or whatever overall or most points, uh, let me try that again. As long as you have the most points overall at the end of the game, you, you win. So it's it's built the same way that you play Mario Kart. But again, you in Mario Kart, even in the first Mario Kart, you could pick, like, I want to play these four tracks. I want to play these four tracks. I want to play these four tracks. Instead, it's like, no, every time you're going to play this, you're going to play these same tracks in this same order. And because they're so long, it's, I mean, you can play four tracks of Mario Kart in 10 minutes, feel pretty good about yourself. You're going to play half an hour through this just to get through it one time. It's insane. I, I just want to know what they were thinking. Because this is the sequel to the original Motor Tune, like you said. You would think any sequel, do you know how many tracks the original had? The original looks like it has a very small number of tracks as well. Just insane. Why? Why would you do this in a kart racer? Uh, well, the other thing is, I mean, the number of racers isn't offensive. Again, the original Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart, you had eight racers. I, I, it wasn't too many. Uh, this game also gives you five to start with. Um, they they are they have different stats and the manual does go over like one's faster than the other, but really they all kind of play the same to me. Uh, you have Captain Rock who's like a, a red car. Bullbox, who looks like a, a metal boxy car with like a mohawk. Uh, the Penguin Brothers. Pin Princess Jean, which is just another car that looks like it's a girlified, so like a princess's car. And Raptor and Raptor, which is this alien spaceship. Those are the five you get to pick from. Now you can see there are three other cards you cannot select at the start of the game. Ching Tong Chang, which is a Chinese-looking car, which is, by if anyone made it that wasn't Japan, it would be considered <laughs> racist. Uh, wow. Cancel this podcast. Vanity, uh, another girl racer, like the dark girl, the, the the tough girl racer, and then Billy the Tough, who's supposed to, I guess, be the anti-Captain Rock. Uh, th those are cars you can unlock as you play the game. So if you play through the five tracks on easy, and they're not very difficult, like we said. And it is also easy, but it's only five tracks. You get through on easy, you win first place. You unlock the ability to get those other three racers pretty all at once. It's not like you get one every time you beat it or one at difficulty level. You get all three. So as long as you've played any racer ever, you should have no problem unlocking these additional racers. So I'm going to say you get eight racers to start with. That's not terrible, but it still seems really low compared to what you're used to now, obviously. But I think at the time, I wasn't offended by the number of racers. But the tracks really is the thing that keeps getting stuck on me here. Because um, otherwise, I mean, the, the number of racers is fine. It has a large number of items. We're going to talk about the items in a second. And and I think the tracks, even though they're longer, do feel different enough that I don't feel like they're all just big loops. You know, they, they do have twists and turns, and they have shortcuts you can find in the levels. There's a lot of things to, to explore and find in those levels for a, a kart racer. But it, it's just the, the fact that it's the same five tracks every time. I didn't remember getting as bored with this as I did playing it for this podcast. Like when I first had it, I remember it being, being something I really, really liked and liked playing. Uh, for this, I just like after a couple of times through, I was like, yep, that's right. I still remember these tracks because I played them so many times. And that's all this game has to offer as it's mostly a single player game. That's the other major mark against this. It's a kart racer that's a single player game unless you have a link cable. Now... 2022, the chance you're going to have a link cable, two PlayStations, two TVs, and a friend with the same hookup, pretty slim, pretty slim. But if you did have a link cable, it was two player. But otherwise, it is a single player kart racer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was one of the lucky few that, that had a link cable back in, in the day. But then again, you had to have two copies of Motortune, two PlayStations, two TVs. It was, uh, that was never going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, there's probably very few people that ever played Motor Tune with a friend. And even if you did, I can guarantee you, like, it, it might be a little bit more fun going back and forth with a friend. 
on those long ass courses. But even then, it's still gonna get tiring because of just how how many long stretches of of nothing there is happening. Well, in and those tracks. and if you're playing two player by the link cable, you weren't playing the full game. You weren't playing two players through the races like you would if you're playing two player Mario Kart. You were playing a two player like straight one on one combat race on a pick on a choice a course of your choosing. So oh you're God. only able to play the courses, any of those five courses, uh, and and then play through them again with each other. They added some new items that were only to be used for other people. And, and we'll talk about the main items in a second, but the two items they added for two-player Link mode was an item that lets you steal the other person's item, which is cool. I mean, that I can see that being fine. And then a bunch of times, if you were in the lead, you'd get an item, and there's no way to drop the item. So if you were going to use it to get another item, that item actually gave the opponent a boost to try to do the thing where it balances out how, you know, if you're in the lead, to kind of give the opponent uh, a chance to catch up, since it's just the two of you. They would give the, the lead person also an item that would make the second person boost, along with giving the second person better item choice than what's in the first place, which which is how they do Mario Kart too. If you're in, in in the back of Mario Kart, you might get the you know the the bullet bill or or the blue shell. The guy in first place never gets the blue shell. You know that that's just not what happens. And this is the same idea. And if you're in the front, you get a different mix of items than you would if you were in the back. And so for two player, they added this thing where if you're in the lead, you just get an item that makes the other person faster. <laughs> kind of a weird choice, but again, Ugh. if you're only playing two player and you're only two people on the track, I guess no harm done. It just it seems like a really slap together two player mode for the racing part of it itself. It almost seems like a really slap together kind of game, and I, you know, I there's we're we're talking a lot of shit about it. I will say that those those five tracks, even though there are only five tracks, there there's some neat looking stuff going on with them you know all the the different themes and stuff you know being the uh, going around the house and being miniature cars or going around the haunted house there's a lot to look at that first lap that you do of each of those five courses is entertaining enough just to look at all the craziness that's around you that's happening because it is a a fever dream of a game sometimes but yeah after that uh even if you're playing two player what what do you what do you do what do you do to stay entertained Probably not play Motor Tune, but but like you said, like the, it just seems like this is so much of just like a just a weird mini game itself, and in a game that actually has several almost full fledged mini games that you can unlock. But there's nothing to it. There's just nothing to it. It's it's really hard to talk about because there's besides just saying it's a subpar kart racing game with no tracks. It's really hard to to get into it and and just be like, man, what the what. What were they thinking? That's it. That's the podcast. What were they thinking? What were what were they thinking? Another episode of what were they thinking? Yes. Well, it's 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 the kind of game. Again, I didn't know that this was the second game in the series when I first played it. And I and if they would have made further games in this series that would have branched out the way that Mario Kart did, then I I wouldn't have the same complaints. You know, if you knew that, well, that's this is an early game in the series. The next time they did this, they had shorter courses and more of them, and there was more like a battle mode and all the stuff that you'd expect in in a Mario Kart style game. That this just they didn't. They did a second one. I guess it didn't do very well here, which is not surprising. Uh, again, I did work at the Electronics Boutique when this came out, and other than me getting excited for it, I don't think anyone had ever heard of it. I don't remember seeing it in magazines. I don't remember seeing any push for this, despite that Sony was putting it out. So even they knew this. Like They were like, yeah, you know, I don't think this is going to do very well. And I'm pretty sure at this point, Gran Turismo was already in development, you know, well in development. Uh, it's where they could say, look, we'll put this out, but with this other things that we're going to focus all our efforts on for, for really pushing later. So the, the only other thing notable about the, the game 
control-wise is that if you did have the Nejicon, which is like a white controller that twisted, uh, like you'd, you'd hold it between your hands and you'd twist your hands, and it would actually lack like a steering wheel that way. It did work with the Nejicon, and I think it worked very well with the Nejicon. I did not play with it for this podcast this time, but when I originally had it, one of the reasons I was excited is because I was like, oh, wow, and it has a Nejicon? Cool, I'm going to get that so I can use this Nejicon too, because I liked goofy controllers. Uh, so th- that was a neat thing about this game, if you ever had a chance to use the Nejicon. I always wanted to. I remember seeing that used for like a Ridge Racer. I mm-hmm. think that's what it was originally released for, wasn't it? Ridge Racer? Yeah, the original Ridge Racer used this and then uh, and this. And I want to say the first Gran Turismo could use it too. People said it worked really well for racing games. And I could almost believe it. But that would be so weird, you know, twisting it at, at on that axis. <laughs> so, it, it wasn't but, uh, bad. It actually worked really well for steering. The other thing was that the buttons were pressure sensitive, which now is a, like pretty standard. But at the time, that was not the case. And they were actually huge, like... Um, like long, I guess, tall buttons. So when you pushed it in, it was like you were pushing in a pedal on a car. So it was easier to to gauge your speed that way if you needed to. Now, in this game, you don't necessarily need to, but it's neat that you can. And I oh, like that as an option. Cool. Um, so it, to go back to the items real quick, it, this is a kart racer. So in, you know, there's little marks on the ground. You drive over them, you get an item. Uh, then it stays in your inventory as an, uh, a coin. You pick a corner of coins, and then you push a button to make the coin turn into a random item. And so you're not really picking up random items, you're picking up a coin, which generates a random item, but it's the same effect. Uh, there's a lot of items in this. You know, as compared to the original Mario Kart, I think there's a ton of items in this. Although they all, there are some that do kind of the same thing, and there's some that uh, I guess were neat ideas, but in reality are not that exciting. So um, there's a, uh, a fireball that shoots forward and blasts cars into the air and does some damage to them, slows them down. A missile, uh, which switches to like a first-person homing view, but it still doesn't require you to drive it. It, it homes on itself, but it lets you watch the missile go forward and ho- auto-moves your car while that happens. An oil slick that goes behind you and you know makes the, the ground behind you slick for other cars that go through it. Um, a jump option, so your car can jump. There are some hidden areas you can get to easier if you can jump, but also things you can jump over, uh, obstacles that you can normally have to drive around. So it's nice to have that as an option. The crazy mushroom, which you use and it makes every other racer uh, look like crazy looking like they look like they're almost swirling around when you actually have it hit you it makes the whole thing look kind of trippy almost where it like everything's blurry and spins and it makes makes little noises but you can still drive under the effect of the crazy uh, crazy mushroom and i don't think when you're playing on single player it actually does a damn thing for the computer opponents but it still gives it to you Uh, a 32 two ton weight that will slow down the racer that you put it on top of like it shoots forward on the, the person in front of you and slows them down uh dynamite that goes behind you and explodes a stealth option, which again, for two players is pretty neat. Your car would just vanish from the screen and therefore no one would notice you for 10 seconds. With against a computer, I didn't notice much except that homing items wouldn't seem to hit you, but uh, it still made you, you know, it was a neat idea. A super shield that gives you a shield for 10 seconds. Turbo, pretty straightforward. Uh, and then the wonder clock freezes all the enemies. So it's kind of the best item in the game, but you only get it when you're way in the back. The two that are the weirdest are big, bigger, biggest and small, smaller, smallest. That makes your car really large and slow and really small and fast. It's a neat idea because it's this cartoon thing and it makes your character bigger. But other than the fact that when you use it, the guy goes, big, bigger, biggest. It really doesn't serve much of a purpose. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I kind of wish the game had more weird stuff like that. Because, you know, the rest of the, the weapons are pretty much standard for what you would get out of Mario Kart. But, you know, it's I, I like this game the most when it's just being crazy like that. And it looks crazy. The you know it, it kind of acts like it wants to play crazy even though it's you know not that fun and then you've got these weapons they're so if they were gonna be that off the wall 
with some of this stuff, especially if they're wanting to go with the cartoon aspect of it. There are so many other things they could have put in here as far as weapons that would have just honestly made this game a lot more fun. Because the driving and all that stuff, like we said, not great. But if you can put some crazy-ass weapons in here that would just break the game, then I, I think that would have really helped besides, you know, some of these just bog-standard kart racing weapons that it's got going on in here. I do want to say, you know, you said the driving's not great. The driving's not bad, though. Like, the actual handling of your car is not terrible. There are many it's kart not, racers yeah. that are just miserable, and you're like, what are you, like, you stop on a dime when you hit things. This is not that. This this drives pretty well. Um, you don't get a lot of car damage unless you get hit by a weapon, so, you know, you can drive into things, it just slows you down immensely. But it, but it still controls pretty well, even on the standard controller without the Nejicon. So, it, it's not going to blow you away, but it's also not a bad handling kart racer. I do want to be clear on that. You know, we are talking yeah. <laughs> badly about it, but only because it's, it's kind of boring. But it actually does play well. You can finish this game. You're not going to sit there and be like, I can't control this thing. It it controls fine. It's just not going to blow you out of the water. Um, you, can, you, you can drive around the track and power slide and all that's pretty fun. It works. But the thing that really sucks is whatever's going on with the physics of whenever you touch anything but the track. Like as soon as you t touch the sides of the tracks... Your car doesn't get, it doesn't get sideways or anything like that. It just kind of like, I don't know. It just blips over. Yeah, so yeah. It, it just it like bounces almost. Yeah, and that's what happens whenever you touch another car too. It's just you're not bouncing them around or they're not bouncing. You're just kind of like the game's like having a stroke trying to figure out what to do. And and I think that's the thing that really drags the driving down. Just the act of driving is fine, and you're going to have more than enough time on a lot of these tracks just to do that. But anytime, like, you get out of control or there's other cars on the screen and you start colliding with them, it goes, it's just not great. It, it, it's not good at all. So we mentioned there's unlockables. You can unlock the three other characters by beating it on easy. If you beat it on normal... The game says you've earned extra tracks. Now, I'll admit, I was very excited when it said, oh, you earned extra tracks. I'm like, yes, this is going to be the case. But it's not really extra tracks. You earn the mirror versions of the existing tracks, and they slightly change some of the some of the images you see. Like, you know, one might be at night when normally it's during the day. But it's basically the same track in mirror. And that's fine, but that's, that's bold to call that extra tracks, <laughs> as opposed to mirror tracks. Uh, to be fair, that's that isn't... You know, they're not the only kart racer that's ever committed that sin. That, that's something back then that was, uh, y even though you have like four or five base tracks, you tripled that by adding mirrored and then backwards. So that was the Ridge Racer formula for, for years and years. So that was pretty standard back then. It especially sucks here, though, just because of all everything we've said already. Yeah, well, the, the, you're like, you're hoping for something new because you're right. The first time you drive through the track, you're like, ooh, because it's very bright and colorful and there's a lot going on. But after that, you're like, yep. More of the same. So then to be like, all right, earn extra tracks. Oh, it's more of the same in reverse. Cool. Great. Um, so since you're the only other person I know that's ever used this game with a link cable, you and I may be the only people on Earth who can discuss the other unlockables in this game. <laughs> there is a tank combat game. If you beat the game on hard, you earn this tank combat linkable two-player game. That is, it's like battle tank almost. Like that, it's... It's fine for a bonus game. It's actually more involved than you think a bonus game would be. Did you have any experience actually playing Battle Tank and enjoy it? It's so I yes, let's just say yes. 
and and also no. I am very <laughs> impressed at, at what they were, what they've because you know the the base game itself is very short. Besides racing forever on these long ass tracks, but then they've got this whole other thing, a bunch of fucking almost fully fledged mini games that are almost as much of a game as the regular game is, and it was really impressive to see all that other stuff. It's kind of the one thing that really saved it for me, because I was like, wow, they're really crazy. They've made all these interesting mini games, and they're actually kind of they're well made to a degree. Battle Tank. It, this this tank thing, it's not great. I think it's actually the worst of the other ones that are on there, uh, as far as quality. But you can totally play it. It's a it's a kind of a a fine generic battle tank ripoff, and it's in this game that you can totally just play it whenever you want. It's, it kind of gives you a little bit more than what you got, though. I would have rather had more tracks than all this other stuff. But still, I was really impressed that it's in there. Well, and and so I was like, wow, if that's what you get for beating it on hard. I can't wait to see what I get when I beat it on the next two difficulty levels, uh, Professional and Expert. So when you beat it on Professional, you earn Submarine X, another linkable combat game that is literally a 3D version of Battleship the board game. Yep, it's, uh, it's, it's totally that, and I, this is the last one that I got from back in the day. I did not get the, the one after this. So, But yeah, this is, uh, you can totally, totally play Battleship on your PlayStation in your kart racing game. So, and it's fine. It's fine for what it is. It's it's totally functional. Plays exactly how you would think a battle a battleship game would be. I don't know I, how, how much bad can you really say about it? Nice. it. And it was fun to play linked. I mean, again, if you yeah. already went to the trouble of getting your link set up to, for games, and there weren't that many. I mean, there there were a handful of games when they first put out the system. You know, they had, I guess, the idea that a lot of games would use link cables, but it it's unwieldy. So not a lot of games really did. I think the only game I played. A ton of in link combat mode was uh, was Armor Core, but this was one we played a good deal of too because it had these other bonus games. So you'd do a couple races and then you'd play, you know, Battleship like four times because Battleship rules. But uh, but I didn't want to pay for a Battleship game, but knowing you have it as this bonus made it even cooler. So I did play a bunch of Submarine X, and then if you beat it on Expert, you earn Motor Tune R, um, and Motor Tune R is the first level of the game but you can race it as an F1 car or a stock car, and it handles more like a traditional racer. I'm assuming this is more or less like giving you a sample of what they'd end up doing with Gran Turismo two years in the, in the beforehand. Like, it, it's, it's more of a realistic handling racer. It still has the motor tune tracks, but your car actually looks like an F1 car. It's, it's such a weird thing, and this is the one thing where I'm just like, obviously this is just something that they were playing around with and then stuck it in the game. Because this is giving you an early look of what Gran Turismo was was eventually going to be. It it doesn't handle like Gran Turismo. It's it's more of like an arcadey racer thing, but it's definitely way more realistic than what the the other carts are in the main game. Uh, you can still kind of power slide and things like that, but it's just it's insane that it's in here. I never got to play this one. I I've only been able to watch videos of it, and I remember seeing this in the magazines as like something that you you unlocked for beating that expert level, and I was like, wow. You know, that's crazy. Like, they should just make an actual racing game because that, that looks pretty cool. And then that's exactly what they did. So you can kind of see that maybe this is what they wanted to make in the first place. And Sony was actually smart enough to let them do it after this one. So it's cool that it's in there, but it's very bare bones as far as what it is. It's it's probably the least of the uh, other two mini games as far as, like, how 
how much there is to do in it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels the most like a demo. I mean, even though the tank game isn't all that great, and Battleship is Battleship, um, th- that one really feels like it's it's a tech demo. You know, like if they gave you something that was like, here's a preview of something coming out, that wouldn't have surprised me, except that they call it just Motor 2NAR, and it's in the Motor 2 track. But if that would have been like a more realistic background, and just one track to show you kind of what they're working on. That that would make more sense to me to show up as a demo. But still, all that stuff is unlockable and neat. And, and again, knowing that this is the studio that would end up going on to make the Gran Turismo series is, is kind of why this game is notable, aside from the fact that it's it's a completely competent, uh, but but generally uninteresting kart racer. Uh, you know, first time through, it's fun, but it's not going to have the replayability that something like a Mario Kart does. And I think that's entirely because you don't get the ability to play two-player uh, split-screen. I, I don't know why they didn't do that, but they chose not to, and I think that hurt this one. Yeah, it is a completely competent kart racer. It's it's fine, besides those tracks, the limited number of tracks and just how long they are. If you can get around that, I don't, I don't know if you'd still really want to play it because it is just one of those old PlayStation games that have not aged well. It lived and died, or a lot of those games anyway, back then lived and died on if uh, they could impress you with their graphics. And if they could, then that shallow gameplay was extended far more than what it would be now. You're just like, wow, this looks like shit, and it's kind of shit as well. Back then, this was one of those games that when it was in the magazines, it was being touted for how good it looked. You know, it was using different techniques as far as 3D rendering, the cars warped back and forth, which was something you didn't really see back then. And just the overall style, it was it was kind of neat. It looked really cool in screenshots. And uh, that's one reason why as soon as I saw it, I rented it. But these days, those graphics are long gone from being anywhere close to impressive. They almost impede you from playing it <laughs> these days on a, on a regular, normal, uh, modern screen. So it's it, it's a cool history lesson. And it's probably not worth unlocking all the, the extra stuff. You could probably just go on YouTube and, and watch the mini games, especially the, uh, you know, what would eventually become Gran Turismo. So it's cool. It's a cool little thing from a nugget of history from a developer that would go on to make far, far greater games in its uh, illustrious history. But uh, as for what it is, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it sure is kind of just a little little PlayStation kart racer that isn't very good. That's our thoughts on Motor Tune Grand Prix, the sequel to the original Motor Tune Grand Prix that we didn't see here in the U.S. Uh, you know, you could do worse, I guess, for kart racers, but uh, you probably don't need to check this one out directly. Just watch those YouTube videos like Jeremy mentioned on, on the extras to kind of see what would what the developers of Gran Turismo were doing right before Gran Turismo. Uh, but if you have another question that is not about Motor Tune Grand Prix, or even if it is, you can send it to us and we'll answer it on the show. The best way to do that is to go to Retrovania.net and underneath all the links to our social media and our Discord and our Patreon and everything else, there's a question form. You can put in any question you want and it will let you come right and it will come right to us where Jeremy will read it and we will answer it like we're going to do right now. We will, uh, but first let's do a little bit of house cleaning. Before we get into reading these emails and questions, I know they're most times at the end of the show, I, I'm like, send it in. We'll read it. We're getting some more listeners out there. And like we've been mentioning the last few months, we got a lot of emails. But we've got a 
maybe mention that we're not going to just read anything. <laughs> we we don't have enough time. If you're going to send in some meme email, uh, at least add something to it. You know, don't give us one line to work work with. Um, it puts some sort of effort into it to make it some sort of question. I don't know anything besides just uh, you know I'm I like pee or something like that. Yeah, you know, we did read those. That's our fault for reading those in the past. We were so excited to get any mail, but now we have enough. We don't have to read about questions about pee. So maybe we'll be a little more selective if it's not a game question. But if you ask us a game question, I'm pretty sure we're going to read it. Yeah, we yes, we will. Uh, but that also bleeds into the next thing. If you have a game question or you want to like speak directly to us. If you are like actually like uh I don't know, I don't want to say threatening. You're just really <laughs> mad at us, let's say. If you don't like our opinions, let's just say, and you get really angry that we have not agreed with what your opinion is, do not send something that attacks one of us. Uh the, you know, this has nothing to do with the whole Shadows of Destiny thing. I think that's just funny to me, you know. Uh, but if you are actually getting angry and then writing in and threatening or really just kind of talking shit about somebody, we're going to have to draw the line there. We, it's, it's not cool. Everybody is entitled to, to their opinion if they like something or not. And that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of life, really. Everyone has different opinions no matter how crazy they are. So if you're, if you're genuinely getting angry at something that we're saying, Maybe, you know, find something else to listen to. Find another episode or another podcast or something like that. It's fine. But we try to have fun here. That's what we're all about. Uh, Yeah, we're not not here to to really just, you know, take a bunch of abuse as well. Because, again, we do this to have fun, not make you guys angry. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're just sharing our opinions. No one's... No one's going to decide because Retrovaniacs didn't like a game that we're never going to re-release it again or not, not going to give it a shot. You know, we try to explain why we don't like something. We don't just come on here, even though the episode we just did sounds a lot like us shitting all over a game. We both clearly said that we played it when it was new and we enjoyed it, and now we're explaining why we don't think it held up very well. Like, we like to give reasons. We're not just up here saying, oh man, this game is dumb because this guy has a bad hat. Like, we like to really put some thought into it, but that's okay. It's our opinion. You can definitely have a different opinion. Uh, so, and again, if you, if you send us a letter cause you don't like our opinion, but you can explain why great. We'll gladly yeah, yeah, read that's that. Fine. But, uh, yeah, that, it, yeah, don't, don't go in on, on us. Uh, don't go ham on us basically, uh, and start threatening us or, or sending threats or, or calling us names or, or things like that. Uh, you know, we all got enough to deal with and, uh, we don't really need any further abuse from the, from the people that's, Supposed to be enjoying what they're listening to with this not actively making you angry. Uh, but again, everyone can have different opinions. If you have a different opinion, please, you know, let us know. Uh, the, we always enjoy, uh, you know, listening to what other people think of the games. If they thought we were wrong, why they think we're wrong or something like that. But like Jeremy said, we're not trying to be one of those nostalgia podcasts where everything is great. That's We have never been like that. And, uh, and we're also not one that just tears everything down, right? We want to we want to give everything a fair shake or explain why yeah. it's not good. But we're not up here just to pick games that we don't like or to make fun of. But we're also, yeah, it, it, I feel like sometimes it's easy to come on and say, oh, this game is great for this reason. But you have to talk about why it may not be. And that's we try to do that in a polite in a polite manner. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, again, we we're trying to be good to you guys. Uh, you try to be good to us back. That's all we can say. Don't be a dick. 
But uh, yeah, let's actually get into the questions. And one quick thing uh, I noticed uh, or on Discord, actually, the previous podcast I read, the very first question, I think, was from Mason. And that was a question that I had previously read. And he got on Discord and was like, what the fuck? Why'd you, why'd you answer the question twice, you moron? And I was like, oh, well, that's just because the software, for some reason, that what we use just automatically defaulted to an earlier question. And because we've been getting so many questions, I just totally forgot that, that I had read it. And that's something we usually do. We get a lot of fucking similar questions around here. But anyway, I'm going to actually read the question that Mason sent in for us to read on the previous episode right now. And I don't have it up. Hold on. Even better. (laughs) (laughs) That's the show. Talk to you guys next time. We're really prepared. (laughs) Okay, I got it. Uh, This comes from Mason, and he's writing in to say, Fancy, you guys talk a lot about what fast food connoisseurs? How often y'all eat fast food, but sometimes you got to put your pants on and leave the car. What sit-down restaurant... And what dishes do you partake in? Are you an Olive Garden never-ending pasta bowl fiend like myself? Can you not get enough of Texas Roadhouse rolls? Does Red Lobster have to ask you to leave during Endless Shrimp Week? Inquiring minds want to know. Answer me, damn you. We, we actually will this time, Mason. So, I, I mean, I do a lot of, uh, a lot of fast food. For sit-down places... Uh, recently I haven't gone to too many sit-down places. I guess the last couple of years, I think I've gone to four sit-down restaurants, but if I had to say what I normally enjoy, if it's a barbecue place, I'm going to go every time. And I, and I, I mean, even bad barbecue is, is still better than most other things. Um, you know, I, I don't really like Red Lobster. I like their biscuits, uh, but I wouldn't go there for anything else. And I don't really like Olive Garden or any, I mean, Italian restaurants are fine, but I, I mean... Yes, I know there's Italian food that I'm not going to make very well, but I can still kind of make a version of that at my house, so I don't go out for that too often. Um, it, it would have to be barbecue, or if it is seafood, it's going to have to be like a... Re- I mean, I live. I have the benefit of living right on the East Coast, so if I want seafood, there's plenty of wonderful options. Uh, and so if I'm going to do that, yes, I'm going to get get some kind of seafood, crabs probably, and if you do crabs, you got to get... Um, you got to get hush puppies, and uh, and that's that's... Honestly, if I could pick a place to go all the time, if I get crabs and hush puppies, that's going to be it for me. That's what, yeah, <laughs> if anybody gets crabs along with some hush puppies down there, then yeah, that is, that is totally it for you. Um, but for me, uh, this is probably, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. My secret favorite restaurant is straight up just Cracker Barrel. Like I, yeah, I don't mind Cracker a Cracker Barrel. Barrel. I don't mind a Cracker Barrel at all. In fact, if I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking, if there's a place that has a good brunch, I'll go every time. I'll eat brunch all day long. Breakfast food yeah, is any, the best. Yeah, I, I will eat breakfast any, any time of the day. And usually if I go to Cracker Barrel... I will be eating breakfast, though they do have a really good cheeseburger that I enjoy. They used to have a really good breaded catfish sandwich that is, of course, not on the menu anymore. But that I, I used to really like that. Uh, but their breakfast, I love it. I love their biscuit and gravy. I'm a, you know, you talk about you being an endless pasta bowl fiend. I am a fucking biscuit and gravy fiend. And if I run out of biscuits at Cracker Barrel, it is going to be endless because they will bring me some more. So it's... Yeah, I, I love Cracker Barrel. If there's any other like chain restaurants that I'm really kind of thinking of, I used to really like Red Lobster because I'm from Indianapolis. We don't have any sort of, you know, seafood around here that doesn't come in frozen unless you go down the, the road and catch a bluegill out of the pond or something. But for us, yeah, Red Lobster and 
used to be Joe's Crab Shack and we've got Bonefish Grill. Those are basically our only seafood places here. And Joe's Crab Shack is unfortunately long gone. But Red Lobster has really gone downhill for me. Uh, it seems since COVID started, like they got rid of their their flounder. They used to have like amazing breaded flounder that I'd been getting since I was a kid. Got rid of that, replaced it with some bad you know, freezer style cod pieces or something. It's they're not good, and just a lot of the food in, in general has has went downhill. So yeah, I guess if you're going to go to Red Lobster, you would have to really uh, you know, get something for your money's worth because. Otherwise, there there isn't much there that's worth the prices that they're charging anymore. Uh, other way, I you know Red Robin, I enjoy Red Robin. Yeah, Red Robin's fine. That's one of the few places my kids will eat at, so I do go there. But I don't even think about that as an option. If I'm if I don't have them with me, I'm not going to Red Lo- Red Robin. But I don't hate Red Robin at all. Red Robin's fine. Yeah. A- any good no. like burger place, any sit down burger place, I'll do because you're guaranteed to find something that's good. Yeah, any yeah any sort of burger place, I am totally down for. I was just you know as far as chain places go, I. And we've got a ton here in Indianapolis. It's just everywhere, everywhere. But I really haven't been to too many in the last few years. So I don't know. I think that would, that would probably be my favorite uh, as, as far as what I can think of is, is Cracker Barrel. Anywhere I see a Cracker Barrel, I'm like, it's time to stop in Cracker Barrel. Get me some biscuits and gravy. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Anyway, thanks for Mason. Thanks, uh, thanks for writing in, Mason. We finally got that one read. Anyway, our next question comes in from Dogerilius. I probably completely murdered that name. And uh, he's writing in about Retro Retrocade Pocket 2. I just drank a six-pack of IPAs and ordered a Retrocade Pocket 2. I know at least one of the... I know... uh, I know at least one of the Jeremy's... My God, I can't fucking do anything tonight. I know at least one of the Jeremy's has one. Was this the best move for playing old school games on a handheld, or should I return the thing and get something less or more elaborate? Uh, I did not get this. I have an Evercade, which is not a uh, an emulator. I mean, it's an emulator, but it's not it's not just an open emulator system. You have to actually buy carts for it, and uh, and I think it's really cool. But if I had a handheld that I could put any handheld game on, which I know I think you may have made in the past, Jeremy, that's probably the way I would recommend for people who are looking for something specific that is not on the Evergate. Evergate's totally cool, but it it's not necessarily what I think this question's about. I'm not sure if you're actually talking about a Retrocade or an Evercade. The only thing that I could come up for uh, sort of like a Retrocade was, is a Retroid Pocket 2, and that may be what you're talking about, you know, since you just did drink a six-pack of IPAs. And if you're talking about that, you're fine. You're totally fine with that. Uh, that's a that's a great way to to shove a bunch of games onto something on a handheld that can play a lot of that stuff, and uh, that plays a hell of a lot more than the Evercade. So yeah, no, you're totally fine with that. If if you're into the Evercade, that's a really cool idea, and I wish we could all get one to actually just kind of talk about it and review some of the cartridges, because I think the way they're doing that is pretty smart. One of the worst things about having any of these emulators that can basically play everything is that they can play everything. You have everything at your fingertips, and it's super easy, especially for me, I don't know about you guys, to get ADD and just go hog wild, being like, okay, I'm going to play 10 minutes of this, but then they got this game over here. Okay, I'm going to play this game. It's hard to keep my mind just attached to one thing when I'm playing one of those. To whereas the Evercade, if you didn't know... They come out with individual cartridges that are focused on 
individual developers or, you know, just a certain series of games or something like that. And it's only like, what, you know, seven or eight games per cart. So that's really easy to just kind of focus on what's there. And I, I think that's actually really cool. And it's been going on for a while. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Evercade is pretty cool. Have you actually enjoyed what you've been able to, p- to play on yours? Yeah, I, I got it solely because I was interested in playing Lynx games on a handheld screen. And instead of buying something uh, like this Retroid Pocket 2 that would have done that if I downloaded all the ROMs, they, they offer carts that have eight different Lynx games on there. So, you know, on my, my uh, Twitch stream, I've been playing through Chip's Challenge. Uh, a game I would actually like to talk about at some point, but if you can't all play it, then that's not very much fun. Uh, and and I, I just ordered, there's a Data East arcade one, so I'm going to have arcade versions of, uh, for me, Burger Time, and a bunch of things I can play on the side, but also, you know, Lock and Chase, and the original Bad Dudes, and, and a bunch of other Data East arcade games in full format that will play on the system. It, it's it's neat. It's a cool way to, to legally play these games, uh, if that's something that concerns you. But if not, I mean, the, the pocket system is that you're, you're talking about is is a totally fine way to do it. Uh, we might have Raspberry Pi units to play similar sort of things, and I do get overwhelmed. I don't want to say it's overwhelmed, but yes, you have like, oh, I want to play this, and you're like, but there's all these other things I want to play too, and you just keep hopping back and forth. you know. So until someone actually requests a game that's on something like that, where I can, like, I want to sit down and actually learn this thing, then I won't put enough time into a lot of these things, because there are so many. But it's, but it's also a cool way to have, if you know you're looking for one specific game or one series of games. If you want, like, oh, man, I really wish I had all the Game Boy Final Fantasies in one spot, and, and that's an easy way to do it, hey, good, go for it. That, that's a great way to have, to, to look at those other systems. And I think, actually, uh, Retrocade just released a, a Versus system that's, just, that's more like a uh, console to where it's, you know, the one before the, the other Evercade, it was just a handheld system, right? Yeah, the Evercade yeah. I have is handheld. The Evercade Verse, which is technically out, but I think in the U.S. it hasn't actually gotten here yet, but it's, you can order them and pay for them, and they just have to get shipped here because um, they're made over in, in Europe. They, they're, it uses the same carts as the handheld, which is the other benefit to them. So if you have a handheld and you want it to also put on a system, you can plug it in there, and it comes with two controllers. So you can play two players because there's a lot of games on here that are two-player, but unless you have... Another person with, a, I think there's a link cable technically in arcade for Evercades, but I don't know who else with an Evercade locally. Uh, but that way you can have just a box that plays these games on your TV. And there are certain games, if you have both games and plug them in because there's two cartridge slots, it unlocks other hidden games that were in there this whole time, which is actually really cool too. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's neat. Uh, it, it's not really what this question was about, I don't think was the Evercade, but... Uh... I, you know, we never get to talk about the Evercade, and it's, it's something I know a, a lot of people are, are talking about these days. Because it is one of the few things that was, you know, as far as like a retro console or handheld that's been able to come out and has succeeded. Unlike some other consoles that are, uh, you know, we're not going to name them. Oh, I'll name but, you know, I'll Okay, name. you name it. But only, I, I'm pretty sure you're refer- referring to the Intellivision Amico, which I, yeah, on this yeah. show, had talked about how excited I was for it. And honestly... <laughs> yeah. When they, if I go back and look at the original announcements and what they originally said they were going to do, I'm still excited for that to ever happen. It's not going to though. That is the, the difference between the Amico and the Evercade is not like oh because this is actually a good product. And the, the Evercade said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a handheld system that plays retro games, and that's yes. what they made, and it does just that. Where the Amico was like, we're going to make this console that plays games like we remember they in television, but then they just went crazy with it, and now they they you know they, they're trying to make. 
they're just trying to do way too much or tried to do way too much. I think at this point it may already be officially over. I don't know. Um, I'm glad I didn't pre-buy one. If you did pre-buy one, you're holding out hope. I, I wish I had that kind of money where I could hold out that hope for that money, but I don't. Uh, if it ever does show up, I'll try it. There were still games I was excited about on it, but at this point, I think it's never happening. Um, if you don't know anything about the Amico, just Google it, watch some YouTube videos, laugh a little bit, have fun. Um, the Evercade did exactly what they said they were going to do. We want to make a handheld system that plays retro games, and that's what they did. I would love to go back to that one. There's an episode like four years ago where we were like, you know, at least the Amico is actually going to make it. There's no way oh. the Atari VCS is going to come out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> this is why you don't listen to people on podcasts, because you never know. The Atari VCS did come out. No, I mean, it's it's out there. You can totally go buy it if you want to. It's not a, you know, it, it is what it is, but it came out. You could buy it. The Amico, ooh, it's, it's looking bad these days. But yes, uh, Dojerly, man, I just can't pronounce that name. Um, you know who you are. You, you've got a, a winner with what you got. If you want to just play a bunch of uh, old games on a handheld system, I think a, a Retroid, if that's what you did get, unless I'm just not finding it, a Retroid Pocket 2 will do you, do you fine. And finally, guys, yes, we're going to keep this week short since Billy isn't around, and there's a lot of questions that he would love that are on here, a lot of food questions. Uh, but we're going to keep uh, keep this one short. And our last question is coming in from Northern Butcher. It's a pretty cool name. He says, the great podcast. Hey, guys, another Spotify listener here from the UK. You what, mate? Found you guys earlier in the year and have listened to every episode. That's a lot of episodes, man. Anyone that writes in and says that, I'm always impressed. Because, man, we we got a lot of episodes to go through. And a lot of them are kind of long. And I can't believe anyone would ever want to listen to us talk for that long about anything. Regardless, you know. Uh, but anyway. I would just like to say I played Shadow of Destiny when I was younger, but it was called Shadows of Memories over here, and I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> I played through it many times. was also wondering if you guys covering the original Monster Hunter on PlayStation 2 would be something you would be interested in. Keep up the great work. You've, you've really got me through some tough mental health days. Cheerio. I wish I could do a good British accent. I would totally say cheerio, but I can't. Sorry. I, I'm glad you didn't try. That's 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 what I like to say. I, I don't do accents because I know I can't. And and I appreciate yeah. someone else who knows their limitations as well. Uh, you know, I would I would actually, now that I play Monster Hunter, you know, fairly regularly, I, I put 300-something hours on, on Monster Hunter World, and I'm, I'm at 160 on Monster Hunter Rise waiting for the expansion. I'd love to go back to the original and play it. But I do not... Uh, I don't. Can we even play it and play networked anymore? Is any of that stuff even still available? I severely doubt it. Uh, I I don't think. What's that for? The PlayStation Two? PS Two. Yep. PS Two. I we would have to get the the network adapter and everything to even try. And I'm I'm I doubt. I very highly doubt those servers are still up to this day. I mean, I wonder. Let me look up and see if the single player still works. I'm sure um, the single player would, but I, you know, anything where you got to connect to to something, a, a Capcom server or something like that, that ain't happening. I, I would like to, I mean, I don't know if that would be a good episode necessarily, but I, I think that would be interesting just to look at to see what the difference is and how, how much it's really uh, changed over time. I know that a lot of stuff in the, 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 the first Monster Hunter I really put time into was Monster Hunter Try on the Wii, and it didn't explain a damn thing. Like, I could not figure out how to really play that game very well. It wasn't until World came out that I thought it had an actual, like, 
a tutorial that taught you what you needed to do. Uh, Rise does it very well as well. But but the original, you know, the Monster Hunter Try at least, I just kept I kept floating around. I was like, there's so much to do, and I think I really like this game, but I just can't figure it out. And I I have a feeling the original is going to have that same problem. Um, but you know. It, I'm not saying it'll never happen, but the chances of us covering it pretty slim since we can't play the online portion, which is really a fo- you know what that game's about. I would totally play it. Monster Hunter is always one of those games uh, since before the the last one. Uh, God, you know, I guess not the last one. Now the the one you played a whole lot. World. The world. That was the one that I finally got into and was like, okay, this is not crazy as totally crazy as the previous ones and i think i can get into it and i i could but it was just another one of there's a lot of grinding a lot of grinding a lot of fighting bosses and stuff like that and, you know that's monster hunter that's that's not my problem there's a lot of people like that you know you like that a lot you played it a hell of a lot and um but yeah i would totally be up for that that sounds like a good time uh but yes thank you northern butcher and i just you know we were talking earlier about having the correct and you know, or incorrect opinion for a certain game. I would like to say that Northern Butcher has the correct opinion about Shadows of Destiny, a.k.a. Shadows of Memory, because it is a good game. And that is going to do it for questions this week. We're going to keep it, like we said, quick this week. We're not going to do an epic two-hour-long episode, though that could end up being the next episode when Billy gets back. But for right now, again, if you want to ask us something and not be a total dick about it, Go to Retrovania.net, scroll all the way down. There's a super cool contact form. Fill it out, send it in, you know, something that we can work with here, and we'll read it like we have been doing for the last five years. And if you have an opinion on Motor Tune Grand Prix, I'd love to hear it because I honestly think other than Jeremy and myself, no one has played this game or remembers it at all. Uh, other I'll, than that, we will... You know, you know what we could do or could ask, besides if you like Motor Tune... I'm sure people will, will write in calling us in- incredibly stupid for not liking Motor Tune or having a negative opinion on it now. But besides that, do you guys consider what what do you consider a cart racer? Would you call Wipeout a cart racer? Would I, you call Blur for the Xbox 360 and PS3 a cart racer? Like what what are your parameters? Like do you consider just having weapons in in the game or that you can attack other cars with? What, what do you consider a cart game? Because I'm actually kind of interested to know as to what other people would think about that. So you can send your thoughts on cart games to RetroRadio.net at the very bottom. There's a question form sent in. We will answer it. Other than that, we should be back next time with a patient request, assuming Billy is back, and probably two hours of mail. See you then.